Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Abraham's laughter of joy as we pick up in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now later on, Sarah laughed, but hers was a laugh of incredulity. Shall I have the joy of bearing a child when I'm not? Oh, please. And she laughed because it seemed so incredulous. And so the Lord rebuked her. Why did Sarah laugh? Oh, I didn't laugh. Oh, yes, she did. So Abraham laughed out of, out of just the sheer joy of the whole thing. And, and she laughed because it seemed so incredulous. So it's only right that when the child is born that they should name him Laughter. Isaac. It means laughter. It's a very fitting name because they both laughed at the prospect of, in this age of life, having a son. And so Abram fell on his face and laughed, and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And so Sarah that is ninety years old bare. And Abram said unto God, Now this is sort of a lapse of faith. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. In other words, Oh, God, forget it. You know, Sarah's 90 and I'm 100. Just don't. That's all right, Lord. (laughs) Let Ishmael, 13 years old now, let him live before you. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, laughter. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him so that Ishmael was not to be the recipient of this covenant and of the land, but rather Isaac. So in reality, the land does not belong to the Arabs by the covenant of God. It belongs with the descendants of Isaac. As for Ishmael, I've heard thee. You said that Ishmael lived before you? All right. I have blessed him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto you at this set time next year. And the Lord left off talking with him, and God went from Abraham. And Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and they went ahead and followed the command of God uh, in the rite of circumcision. Abraham was 99 years old when they went through this rite. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And it can get awfully hot. And he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, there were three men who stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and he bowed himself down toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, Adonai, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye in your hearts. And after that ye shall pass on, for therefore you are come to your servant. And they said, Do so as you have said. So the Lord was coming with two angels passing through. Abraham ran out to meet them, showed really tremendous hospitality to them. 
Let me get some water. Wash your feet. Let me get you something to eat. Rest a while under the tent. It's a hot part of the day. And then continue on your journey. In Hebrews, we are told to be careful to entertain strangers. We never know but what we might be entertaining angels unaware. Abram hastened to make into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make quickly three majors of fine meal and knead it and make some cakes upon the hearth, some good old pita bread. And Abram ran unto the herd and he fetched a calf that was tender and good and he gave it to the young man and hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which they had dressed and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. Now here's an interesting thing to me. He gave them butter and milk and meat. That's not kosher. Here's Abram, the father of Israel, not being kosher. Now, the kosher law of not having milk products with meat is not a proper interpretation of the scripture. It is one of those straining at a net things that the Pharisees love to do. The law did declare, thou shalt not seethe a kid in its mother's milk. In other words, you're not to take a little goat and boil it in its mother's milk, cooking it in its own mother's milk. It was just you know, not a right thing to do. But the Jews have taken that as a kosher prohibition of having dairy products with meat products. Because you see, if you drink a glass of milk and you eat a steak, you don't know, but that steak may have come from the calf of the mother cow from whom you drank the milk, and in your stomach it's going to seethe in, in that milk. And so you're seething a kid in its mother's milk. And so to be careful that you don't do that, they'll not eat cheese or, or any dairy products with any meat products, unless the meat product be a fish. Kosher law. But it's a straining at things. It's, it's not what God intended at all. Here's Abram being very unkosher. And the angels were too because they ate it. <laughs> and they said unto him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it. She was standing in the tent door eavesdropping on what the men were saying out there. She was in the tent, behind the tent door, you know, listening. And, and uh, now Abram and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age and ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. She'd gone through the uh, change of life. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am so old, shall I have the pleasure, my Lord, being old also? calling Abraham, her husband, Lord. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I have a surety bear a child. Shall I have surety bear a child when I'm so old? Is anything too hard for Jehovah? Oh, what a neat question, isn't it? God said to Abraham, Behold, I am God. Is there anything too hard for me? Paul tells us, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. 
Is there anything too hard for God? Why did Sarah laugh? Is there anything too hard for God? Why did Sarah laugh? Because she was looking at only the human possibilities. She wasn't looking at God. It is oftentimes that we laugh at something that seems so incredible because we are only looking at the human aspects rather than looking to God, who is able to set aside human laws and human kind of restrictions or prohibitions. So she's gone through the change of life. So he's over 100 years old. So what? Is there anything too hard for God? Why did Sarah laugh? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, Oh, but you did laugh. And the men rose from thence, and they looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on their way. So Abraham started walking with them a bit. And the Lord, now here is interesting, and the word Lord here is Jehovah. And Jehovah said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Now, there were three who appeared as angels, but one of them was Jehovah, who, of course, would have been Jesus Christ, one of the theophanies or manifestations of Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus was probably referring to, though it could have been Melchizedek, this is what he was probably referring to when he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it. Now here is Abraham talking directly with Jehovah, but not with the Father. No man has seen the Father at any time. But the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath manifested him or made him known. So this is one of the manifestations of God in the Old Testament. It is not the Father. No man has seen the Father, Jesus said at any time. So this would be the manifestation of Jesus Christ in and as Jehovah because the name Jesus itself is Jehovah-Shua uh, and his name in the millennium will be jehovah Tisidkenu. And so he is manifesting and appearing here as Jehovah, talking directly to Abram. And Jehovah said, Shall I hide from Abram the thing which I do, seeing that Abram shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of Jehovah to do justice and judgment. That, the, that Jehovah may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And Jehovah said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence, and they went toward Sodom. But Abram stood yet before Jehovah. And Abram drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there are fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? 
that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now notice Abraham as he begins to intercede with Jehovah for the city of Sodom. What is the premise? It would not be right or fair or just for God to destroy the righteous with the wicked. If God's judgment is going to come upon the place, then the righteous should not share with the wicked in that judgment. If the judgment is coming for the wickedness of the people, then it would not be right for God to judge the righteous along with the wicked. That's the whole premise of his argument. And the basis for it is, shall not the judge of the earth do right? It isn't fair that these righteous people should all to suffer the same penalty, the same judgment as the wicked are suffering. Would you judge the righteous with the wicked? Now, that is a very important point. And Peter picks it up in his epistle. And he speaks about how God delivered that righteous man, Job, who was vexed by the way the people were living around him. His, that righteous man who was vexed by the manner of, the, of life of those around him. For God knows how to deliver the righteous, but to reserve the ungodly for the day of judgment. Now, I bring that out because there's a lot of people who are seeking to adhere to a post-tribulationist view. And what is the post-tribulationist telling you? That God is going to be unfair. He's going to judge the righteous with the wicked. That the church is going to have to go through this great time of God's judgment and God's wrath being poured out upon the earth. And the very opposite premise from which Abraham was coming is being declared by these people as they declare the church will have to go through the great tribulation and suffer with the wicked. The judgment and the wrath of God which is to be poured out against the wickedness of those who are dwelling upon the earth. They are declaring that God is not just or God is not fair. Because Abraham's whole premise is this would not be fair, this would not be right to destroy the righteous with the wicked. Shall not the judge of the earth be right or do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, I will spare the place for their sakes. Now, notice how few people it takes to forestall the judgment of God. God is so patient. If in this whole city there are 50 righteous people, the hand of judgment will be withheld. God does not delight in judgment. God delights in mercy. And just a few righteous people can be a saving influence in a whole community of wickedness. Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. And so God has you as a saving influence as a savory influence in the community. And it doesn't take many, just a few 
can withhold the judgment of God. Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I've taken upon me to speak to the Lord, Adonai here, which am but dust and ashes. Hey, I'm just dust and ashes, but I've, I'm actually taken upon myself to talk to God. Peradventure, what if there's only five less from the 50? Will you destroy the city because you're just lacking five? The Lord said, if there are 45, I'll not destroy it. And he spake to him again and he said, peradventure, there will only be 40 found there. And he said, I'll not destroy for 40. Well, don't be angry with me. I'm going to speak. What again, what if there is just 30 righteous there? He said, I'll not destroy it for 30. What if perhaps there's only 20? I'll not destroy it for 20. Make the best deal you can. And he said, oh, don't be angry with me. I'm going to speak but one more time. Peradventure, 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. Abraham thought, surely I can find 10. There's Lot, his two sons, and his daughters, and their families. All right, you know. This is an interesting picture of intercession. Abraham standing, interceding for these people, for this city, of which the judgment of God is about to fall. Beautiful picture of intercession. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abram, and Abram returned to his place. But the beautiful picture of intercession, but the principle is the thing I wanted to point out. The Lord knows how to deliver the righteous. Of course, you know, they didn't find ten. They found one righteous man. Now, one thing I want to point out. When the judgment came, he went to his children and he begged them to leave, but they laughed at him. They mocked him. Oh, come on, you. God's not going to judge this place. We've been going on like this for a long time. Though he, Lot himself, was able to escape the pollutions, his children were not. And his move to Sodom cost him his family. He was strong enough, he withheld against the violence and the pollution of the area, but his children could not withstand, and he lost his children through the move. Very tragic indeed. They fell into the culture and sin of Sodom and were destroyed. But getting back to the principle, Will God destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the answer of God was negative. No, he would not destroy the righteous with the wicked. So what did God do to the righteous man before he destroyed the wicked? He led that righteous lot out before he destroyed the city. Even before the wrath and the judgment of God will come upon the earth, he will lead the righteous out. For the Lord knoweth how to deliver the righteous, but to reserve the ungodly for the day of judgment. 
The day of judgment is coming upon the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. But it would not be fair for the God of the earth to destroy the righteous with the wicked. I consider the post-tribulationist view as being inconsistent with the very nature of the loving, righteous God. And the rapture totally consistent with his righteous nature and with the history of delivering the righteous out before the judgment came. We'll get into that more as we press on. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 17-18 through 18 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May your heart be filled with his love. May you walk in the Spirit. And may you be strengthened by the work of his Holy Spirit in your inner man. May you be increased in knowledge and understanding of his word and of his will and of his purposes for your life. That you might walk before the Lord in a way that is pleasing unto him. And may God increase your faith and your trust. May he work in your life in a very beautiful way as he nurtures you and as he leads you into that path of fellowship with himself. May your life be enriched in all things in Christ Jesus. And may the Lord and the blessings of the Lord be upon you while we are absent from each other until we are brought back together again to continue our fellowship and our growing together in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. 
I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking. And are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.